Aloha kako and welcome back to Hawaii Can, Unite Here Local 5's official podcast channel. I'm your host, Bryant de Venecia. I am the communications organizer for Unite Here Local 5, and we represent hospitality, healthcare, and food service workers all over Hawaii. I'm so happy to be back. I know it's been a while since our last episode, and I just want to give a huge mahalo to the people who listened and gave great feedback, you know, from our last episode. Thank you again for listening, and as always, make sure to subscribe and turn on your notifications for more episodes of Hawaii Can. Today, we're going to talk about new organizing and the importance of growing our union. Now, our power and strength in the labor movement, not only in our union, but the broader labor movement, have direct correlation with the number of working people who are unionized. And that's definitely one of the topics that we're going to talk about today. So without further ado, I want to introduce our guest. She is Unite Here Local 5's organizing, new organizing director, Morgan Evans. Welcome, Morgan. My name is Morgan Evans. I am the director of new organizing at Unite Here Local 5. I have been um, a member and a staff person here at Local, or an organizer here at Local 5 for 17 years. I got my start in many, many non-union um, restaurants. I have been a server, I have been a dishwasher, I've been a cook, but not a very good cook, um, a bartender, and all of those, all of those things um, before I came into the union. And when I learned about unions, it absolutely changed my life and it changed how I viewed myself and the value of myself personally and the value of the work that we do. Like, the world runs on working people and uh, we should be valued in that way. Amen. That was such a powerful intro. Thank you for doing that. Um, I guess we can start with uh, what exactly is new organizing? Okay, so the, the new organizing program, I mean, essentially what we're doing is we're trying to find uh, workers or, or workers find us and talking to them about what it takes to form a union. And, and that's, honestly, that's the hardest part is to find leaders who are willing to fight because it's very scary. We don't sugarcoat it. The fact is that they can be targeted by their managers. Um, they can't, you know, and whether that means termination or they just mess with their days off or whatever, like they will get, they will try to mess with those leaders. They will try to retaliate. So we have to, as quietly as possible, identify, recruit, and train work, worker leaders who are willing to uh, do some crazy stuff. Like we have to collect addresses. We go to people's houses. You know, if they get off work at if they get off work at one in the morning, we need to like meet them at one in the morning. If we find out this just happened actually the other week, we found out that a worker had a second job at a um, as a parking attendant in Waikiki on the graveyard shift. So two of our organizers went into Waikiki at 11.30 at night to try to you know, find out when he was working. Like that was just, just recently, we wait for people at the bus stops. We were at the bus stops yesterday. <laughs> you know, we went to a UH basketball game because we're currently talking to food and beverage workers at the University of Hawaii. And um, yeah, we went to a basketball game and went up and down the bleachers looking for workers who were on their breaks. Um, so I think that we do not talk a lot about it because of the potential for retaliation. 
And, and the fact is that during people's orientation, so you guys know the Doubletree Alana, which is now a union, as part of the orientation there, they talk to workers about how bad the union is, how the union is just a business that wants to steal all your money. The union can't guarantee anything. Um, they will bring out, you know, former, you know, union members that had a bad story or something. They will, they will do anything they can. They'll tell you the union's gonna force you to strike. And they do this in your orientation. So before you've worked with this company a single day, you already know that the management hates the union and, and they're indoctrinating people, they're teaching people that unions are the devil. <laughs> so that's the first step that, that we have to overcome is that they've already been trained as part of their official training that unions are bad. And I just wanna make it clear, all of what I just said is legal. All of that intimidation, I mean, not the terminations and retaliation, but that those orientations if management says, we don't want you to join a union, when management says, you're just gonna have to pay a bunch of union dues, when management says that, you know, Meritess is just trying to make money off of you, like Meritess is on our new organizing team, um, that's all legal for them to do. And so when you are bombarded with that every day at work, it makes it very hostile. It makes it extremely hostile. So what we have to do is connect with workers through our honest um, worker stories ourselves. And we have to give them that vision and that inspiration that, that things can be better. Um, but, but people are in, I mean, we all know, even though we have good union jobs, how tight things are. That many of us, we're, we're, we get nervous around when rent is due, and we are nervous about what would happen to us if we lost even just a few of our hours, much less our jobs. And so there's a real fear um, to taking on the boss. So a bunch of our job is agitating people to be more angry than they are scared. What is the current union landscape in Hawaii? We have gotten more what we call hot shop calls in the last like five months than I've ever seen come through Local 5. It usually, I mean, they're so random. They're from like a bake shop. Uh, they are from some hospital workers. They are from a valet, but only the valets want the union, not the rest of the hotel, or the rest of the hotel is like too scared. Um, you know, they're from different, there's um, some guys on a golf course who want to unionize. So it, it's been really all over. Currently, I think because of what people have seen maybe at Amazon or the Starbucks, um, and maybe just our treatment of workers coming out of the pandemic, that people are, I think, I don't know if it's more hopeful or just more angry, but they want things to change at work. So it hasn't been this like, it's not like we're getting thousands of people that suddenly want to join the union, but we are getting more people calling and saying, hey, what would the process take? But to be honest, when we describe the process, like that's the first thing that intimidates people when they learn how that that you actually need a majority. When we say we tell people, no, you have to leave, be publicly taking action. That is something that really scares people. Yeah, that's so scary. And especially with everything that's been in social media or in the news, you know, all the retaliation and things that workers who are trying to fight back are receiving. Um, 
they're not helpful. And that's why conversations like this are so important uh, because it's also a resource for, for people who are curious about fighting back against the bosses, you know, like fighting for the things that you deserve. Um, I want to talk about union density. Like what is the union density in the hospitality industry here in Hawaii and how that impacts our work as a labor union? Yeah, so we estimate that about 50% of hotel workers on Oahu right now are union. When I started in this union, it was like 70%. And so we've really dropped because of all of that new development that has happened and um, the expansion of this industry without the expansion of you know, union uh, hotel jobs. And that's speaking about hotels. they, um, yeah, when you when it's like that, you know, it used to be that places like Halikulani would pay $2 more per hour than the union wage because they wanted to keep the union out, right? Mm-hmm. And it used to be that Prince workers had a pension. And there were, there are many things where the non-union guys used to keep up with the union standard, but now we've seen that slip more and more. When these, when the non-union places are scared that Local Five is going to come in, like when we were, when we were on strike, I think this was when we were on strike. Somebody put a Local Five flyer in the Halikulani locker rooms, and all, and how so housekeeping started talking about the union. We had nothing. I mean, none of the staff had any. None of the Local Five staff had anything to do with this, but all of a sudden, all of the housekeepers got a hundred dollar bonus out of nowhere just because there were flyers in the locker room. Um, when we went through our fight at the Prince, one of our top committee leaders got an $8 wage increase. And so, um, and so with the non-union places, when they fear Local 5, they, they tend to give their workers more. Um, and that, that's exciting. But when we are down to just 50% of the industry, they fear us a little bit less. And so we want to, you know, we during the pandemic, I think we've shared the Aston has Waikiki, which is a really large beachfront hotel, has now entirely subcontracted their housekeeping staff. They don't have their housekeeping staff, their bell, their bellmen, their valets. Um, they had already subcontracted their food and beverage, and so now I think their only in-house workers are front desk and maybe PBX. I want to expand more on that point you made about employers fearing us less because of the decreasing union density. Like, I know there are real threats. Can you give examples? When density keeps getting lower, what, what we see is it's not just limited to just looking at a hotel worker's job. Like, yes, I think, it'll, I, think I know that it's going to be harder for us to fight for good contracts for Local 5 members because if... If Sheraton Waikiki is paying a housekeeper $27 an hour and Halakulani is paying a housekeeper $26 an hour, it, it makes it harder for us to fight for that better wage because their competition is making is paying less money and so they're more profitable. And it always comes down to these profits, 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 right? It's all about the money. But I think there's a much, much bigger problem for us that we face is that 
our kids are going to be working these jobs. Our, you know, our neighbors are going to be working these jobs. And so it's not just about the individual, it's not just about how it might impact a local five wage rate, but it's our entire community makes less. We have less money for people to eat out at restaurants, less money for people to go to the movie theaters. And it's bullshit. Like it's these, these hotels are making record profits and it's not, it's not coming back to the workers. And we're what make this state, no, sorry, not a state. We're what make Hawaii great. Like it is an impact on our, on our entire communities. If there's less money, the only money that stays in Hawaii is the money that workers make. If it goes into profits of the corporations, it leaves, it goes bye-bye, it has wings on it, it flies away. The money that workers make is the only money that stays here. And so we as a community are richer when everyone is, is doing better at work. And, and if we're not, then that means, again, like that money goes away, bye-bye. And so that, to me, that it's, yeah, it's, it, it, sure, it's about our contracts and making those contracts better and, and making sure that this industry is accountable to workers, but the impacts, all these non-union jobs, it impacts everyone, all of us. I can't think of a better way to paint that picture to explain how much of a threat it is when union um, density is decreasing and more and more hotel properties are being built without even thinking of the impacts in the community in terms of just jobs and you know the money that stays here in Hawaii. Transitioning to Sodexo, can we talk about this campaign? Um, I know it's a whole new territory for Local 5, and I think people are going to be surprised that we are organizing at the University of Hawaii. Um, yeah, what can we share about the Sodexo campaign? Yeah, we can share quite a bit about Sodexo. So Sodexo is a, um, it's a subcontractor. They focus a lot on food and beverage, and they are the worst and um, they are the worst in, in our union. We actually already have, we have about 7,000 um, union Sodexo workers in the US. So on the continent there, and these workers work in Google cafeterias, they work in airport lounges, they work in cafeterias in federal buildings, but they also work in cafeterias on campuses. So they have always had some of the, the worst contracts in our food and beverage division. And our union decided to, that they wanted to change that. And just like in the Marriott strike, right, the whole idea was the more that we can line up and take on this company as a whole union, the more power, like solidarity is about power. It's, it's a nice word, like, ooh, solidarity makes you feel good. But it's also a strategy. And, um, and so the idea is that we wanted to have as many Sodexo campaigns going as we could to get new workers into the union. So of those 7,000 workers, 3,000 of them had contracts expiring this year. And so we have been ID recruiting and training Sodexo workers everywhere. And now I think it's been 2,000 workers new workers to our union, I'm sorry, 1,200 workers have now joined our union, and there's another thousand more who, um, who are in line to join the union, and that includes the Sodexo workers at UH Manoa. 
So I just wanna emphasize that there's 225 non-union food and beverage workers on campus at UH Manoa, and they have the opportunity to join Local 5. And so we're going door to door right now. We're also going onto campus and talking to those workers about signing. All they'll have to do is sign a union card and then they can, um, once we hit majority, we will have the union. But it's even saying that, it's not easy. Yeah, that is a very exciting process. And you guys are doing so much to make sure that workers are educated and informed because this is going to change their lives. But before we continue, I want to take a step back and ask you what what's happening at UH? Like what are the working conditions that Sodexo workers have to, you know, live through every day? Um, because it's making me angry. I am an alumnus of UH Manoa and just the thought of what's supposed to be a place of learning um, and the state allowing these kinds of oppression and, and injustices happening, it's really um, agitating. The workers at UH Manoa, they, um, they are paid, many of them are at the minimum wage. So I just want to point out that these jobs used to be state jobs. So some these jobs used to be some of the best jobs in the state because they were state jobs. And the university and the university subcontracted them and now they're making minimum wage. And it is 2022. So the minimum wage right now is $12 an hour. You can make more money going down to Bear Tanya Taco Bell and applying for a job. You can get a better starting pay at 7-Eleven. You can get a better starting play at plenty places. Um, and so, but Sodexo is paying these workers $12 an hour. That's their, that's what their dishwashers make. We found out a couple of things that are, it just drives me crazy. The, the, um, the young workers who work at Starbucks and they, sh you know, I, they should make money because Starbucks is making money, but they make $15 an hour and they're mostly student workers and they're mostly, you know, um, transplants that are you know just here temporarily they're not here for long-term employment and they're making $15 an hour meanwhile the workers in the dining hall and the food court and other areas they're the ones making 12 13 14 dollars an hour so you have these brand new workers who are temporary pretty much temporary who are making 15 an, an hour and then we have 20 year workers who are making less than them doing almost the same exact job and so we just found out about that. And then even in the cafeterias and other areas, the new hires make more money than the, than the senior workers. That's what we've been told from the workers. So they're also instructed that they can't talk about their pay rates, which is totally illegal, but it's, they do that because they know they're paying people, oh, I like you, you're gonna make this much. I don't like you, you're gonna make this much. Um, and they really take advantage of, of people in that way. Yeah, this is huge. It's a big victory. Yeah, so it's not our victory yet. I mean, it's huge that what we did by having, I should have said this earlier, by having all these thousands of workers fighting Sodexo, Sodexo has now, we, we pressured the company, and the, so the company has now agreed because of all that solidarity, because of all that pressure, the company has now agreed to be neutral with these workers. So like we said before, on, that they can just sign the cards. Being neutral means that the company won't do that retaliation, that they won't 
they're not allowed to say anything about the union, which is awesome, right? Like, so when a worker goes up to them and says, hey boss, what do you think about the union? They can't talk about dues. They can't talk about, um, you know, all the stuff that they normally say, like, oh, we're family, we're Ohana, how could you do this to me? They can't do that. They have to say, oh, you should talk to your union representative, <laughs> yeah. which is gonna kill the managers, but um, it's really a huge opportunity for these workers. Yeah, I mean, it's been a huge year for working people, and not only because of all our victories union-wide, but also the victories of other workplaces who are fighting for unionization. Like you mentioned, Amazon, Starbucks, um, people's perception of unions has changed significantly. Like now more and more people are recognizing the need to organize and fight the boss, which is amazing. Um, what is something that we can impart to workers who are in the middle of unionization or just want recognition? Like what's the path ahead for them? That, that question is really good because we, you know, winning the union is incredible, right? Winning the union is huge for workers. Like they fight and they get the union and they get a majority and that's a big deal. But we have to make sure that people understand that that's not the end of it. Like, you have to get that first contract or what's the point? I mean, coming together and winning, it is. it is Like, we should celebrate it. It's an absolute victory. And as soon as you are recognized as a union, you have more protections than the day before, right? Like, you have, you have the backing of the union. Um, it's, it's a different, it's a new world for these folks. But... It's not the time to then relax. Oh, we have the union now. It's it's this is the time when it's you're it's the time sometimes we tell people like, "Hey, now we get to start dreaming. Like dream of that better life." But we're also starting to train to fight even more. Like we're constantly training to get stronger and stronger because the first part was about recognition. In the case of Sedexo, getting recognized as a union is going to be relatively easy compared to having to go through an election process. Um, but it's still, you gotta fight with a company. And I don't care, even our nicest, you know, people that, you know, companies that we think, oh, we have a good relationship with this company or this company, these contract fights is nasty. And they're, and you know, the bigger these corporations get, the more they wanna nickel and dime workers, right? Like we sit there and it's kind of unreal. You look at the lawyer that they're paying, you know, $700 an hour, and they're freaking going back and forth with us about whether we can make a four-hour shift, an eight-hour shift. I mean, it's ridiculous, but that's the things that they're going to do. And so we have to build people's hope but, and at the same time build people's skill to fight. And so the building of – so right after you get recognition, you want to go into what are our contract demands going to be? What are the priorities for workers? In the non-union setting, they don't have pension. A lot of them don't have decent 401k contributions. Um, what about wages? You know, I talked about before that these workers make $12 an hour. Wages are definitely going to be high priority. I'll never forget. <laughs> and actually, every, every campaign is different. But like at the Hyatt-centric, um, one of their top issues is they, they wanted birthday holiday. And so the worker is like, okay, you know, the worker has got to like prioritize what do we want? Like what is really – and some of those things are really about respect. Right? It's like, um, like, what was it? Like rice cookers and cafeterias and like just things that it's like, it's not really that expensive, but it's just about like making people's lives better. And so 
Um, so we negotiate those things and workers have to kind of put it up and figure out what are their priorities. And then we have to start talking about what are you gonna, what are we willing to do to win these things? And that's where it's like, look, if we have a negotiation and five people show up, we ain't gonna win. If we have a rally and not enough people come, um, it's not gonna work. And then I think where it connects with communications is it's all about communications. We have to be driving what's said in our community, right? We're not greedy freaking union workers. We're not people buying our like third home. We're people trying to like figure out how we can buy a condo, our first home, you know? Mm-hmm. You know, we're people trying to figure out like basic things, but we we have to be active in communications to make sure that that's the narrative that the community gets. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the other thing about communication is it's worker to worker. Like um, in it, at Sodexo at UH, but this is also true at some place like the Hilton Hawaiian Village, right? Like that property is so huge that workers don't even see each other. And so the communications between workers has to be regular, whether that's committee meetings or sending text messages and videos to each other, um, newsletters, like those kind of communications are really important and making sure that the community stays supportive of workers and that the workers um, kind of lift each other up and hold on to each other. Yes, most definitely. Thank you for um, that highlight. Communications and organizing work side by side. And yeah, I want to transition to the other upcoming fights in new organizing. Like what are the things that we can look forward to in our new organizing campaign? And uh, why is it so important that we continue to build political power? We expect that in the near future, like in the next year, we're going to be taking on some very big hotel companies. And that could be the non-union Highgates, it could be the Outriggers, it could be Alvani, it could be the Ritz, it could be Trump, you know. And as we get, as we take on these employers, we do expect it to be nasty. But we need that political power so that the second that they come down on one of our leaders, the mayor's office is calling that hotel and telling them to back down. You know, that, that our legislators are, are doing, are supporting workers in a real way where they're saying, hey, you can't do business in Hawaii if this is the way that you do business. If your business is fighting workers, we don't want your business. And right now I just feel like the politicians don't, like they don't have a backbone in that way. And that's why I think building political power, we show the politicians what it means to fight. Like we can inspire them because look at us, we're taking stuff on. And so that's where I think that we, in the, in the coming days, weeks, months, years, um, we're gonna get involved in some really hard fights. And some of them we're gonna win and some of them we're gonna lose, but regardless, we need politicians that are gonna back up workers in all of those fights. And we need to have a political program that one demonstrates to these politicians that if you mess with, if you support local five, we'll support you. But if you don't support local five, we'll be out in your district um, fighting for the other guy. Um, And then they need to be more creative in how they're supporting workers. They just do, you know, and whether that's supporting workers having a fair process to be union, that's why this. that's why the Senate race is really important, right? Like, it's not like we can tell Honolulu City Council to change U.S. labor law. Mm-hmm. The problem is, is that U.S. labor law is, it's a terrible system and we're stuck with it. 
Like, as long as we're under the U.S., like, we're stuck with these terrible labor laws. And so the political, the importance of not losing the Senate and not making those laws any worse <laughs> is, is really, really key. Um, but, yeah, I mean, in, in these fights, like, we need, we need mayors and legislators and governors who are willing to talk to pension funds, who are willing to show up at worker committee meetings, who are willing to walk picket lines, who are willing to show these companies not that they're neutral, not that they're mediators, not that they see both sides. I'm so tired of that. I'm so tired of these politicians acting like there's some middle ground here. There is no middle ground. You're either with the workers or you're not. And they need to figure that out. And that that's where I think the, the political um, program is heading because, you know, it's, it's do or die. Like we have to take this industry back for working people. All of the industries that we're in, food and beverage, hotels, healthcare, like we need those place, those areas to be 90, 100% union. Yeah, most definitely. And like you said a while ago, maybe it's hope or anger, but there's traction now. People are more angry and more agitated because of social media, because of what's happening around the internet, and people are more aware about organizing, about unions. People are recognizing that they deserve more than what's given to them. And at the same time, because of what we've been doing politically, we've had an amazing political season. We won races not only locally but also nationally and that's going to be a next podcast episode but my point is we are out there and people see us so for the people who are not yet union curious about unionizing any resources and information for them union curious yeah yeah so not yet union um so there are some great resources. I mean, like if you go on the, I think it's the AFL-CIO website, there's videos that kind of simplify what the process is to be union. Um, if, if someone's researching this stuff or listening or whatever, and they want to, if it's specific to Local 5, like one of the best things to do is to get a job in one of these non-union hotels, the bigger the better, and then reach out to us because it's, it's really honestly about relationship building. We say, you know, when we have people get jobs in non-union places, we say go in there and be the best worker you can be. Make good relationships with your coworkers and then like let's form the union. Um, in terms of research, resources, if you're just curious, like I think, I mean, the internet's awesome. So, you know, you, like AFL-CIO website, Local 5 is working on um, making materials. I think the the bottom line for me, like I was, so I was a non-union restaurant worker for many years, and the thing that got me understanding what a union was was that fish. If people have seen the fish, where you have the fish that are swimming in all different directions, and the big fish is about to eat them, but then you have the fish organize into the shape of a really huge fish, and they start chasing away the mean fish with the teeth, you know, and Honestly, like those simple, like there are lots of there are lots of videos out there. There's animation. There are explanations of how to form a union. But ultimately, forming a union means bringing your coworkers together so that you have power. And um, 
And so you can, I, I do recommend people should go online and figure out what are the legal like methods of forming your union. But what it comes down to is coworkers having a bond with each, with each other that is much stronger than anything that they feel like they owe to the bosses. Um, and so that's, that's what will get you through because everyone who tries to form a union, every campaign I've been in through the last 10 years, no matter how strong you are, you're gonna wanna quit at some point. And it's your coworkers who are gonna hold on to you and, and carry you through those hard times. The mat, that is the magic. Like people wanna know, well, what is the key? Like the magic is that the bond between coworkers is one of the strongest bonds you can ever see. But you have to really take care of that relationship because the boss is gonna do everything they can to break those bonds. Um, and, and so that's what workers kind of have to prepare for. And that's really what it means to form a union. So if you want to be, you know, if you want to take charge, if folks want to take charge and like bring a union in, it's not, it's not bringing a union in. It's forming a union between you and your coworkers in a responsible way, in a way that's caring and loving and understanding towards people who don't understand what a union is. So go out and research and figure out the legal mechanisms. But then it's really just about like building your base, like building those relationships with workers and making sure that you get the people who care about their coworkers on board. Yeah, and it's something that we always say at Local 5, right? Like you are the union. Um, but also we've seen time and time again that even when the process and the fight are really hard, it's worth it in the end. Yeah, it's, and that's really a good point because sometimes... Like it's really hard. It's really hard when you're in the middle of it to have those thoughts. And so sometimes we do this like visual, like picture yourself as equals with your manager. Like think about your worst manager. Now think of how they're gonna feel when you're sitting across a negotiating table with them as equals, because that's legally under the law. Yeah. Like once you have the union, you're on equal footing when it comes with two of the managers when it comes to bargaining. Yeah, and that's always oftentimes when we hear. Um, stories from workers who used to work at non-union places. Their worst experience is always about not having a voice, not being able to speak up. Yeah, we talked to a woman a few days ago. She's in her 20s. She was having heart palpitations and she was scared to tell her manager. Yeah, and so, and that's the conditioning that people go through. I mean, she did ultimately say, hey, this is happening, I need to leave, but the fact that that was even a consideration that like, ooh, I don't want to upset my manager. Like that's, that's nuts. Yeah. Um, what an amazing conversation. I'm really grateful that you're able to like sit with me today um, to, to do this. Any other thing that you want to add? Um, any other messages before we wrap up? All workers should be unionized. Yes. Definitely. And we should be asking for more. And I'm so like, I'm so tired of hearing about like Jeff Bezos doubled his freaking profits and we're worried about asking for too much or whatever. Like I'm so tired of that. I'm so tired of people saying, hey, it's okay. I get paid okay. No, you don't. Like what is that saying that, that profits are the unpaid wages of the workers? And I'm just going to say that again. Profits are the unpaid wages of the workers. They earned it. Workers earned the money that these corporations are making. And we've just gotten conditioned 
that it's okay to pay out billions and billions in profit to investors and to people like, you know, no offense, but bald white guys like that, like don't actually do any work. And meanwhile, you have people that bust their rumps and work, you know, 50, 60, 70 hours a week. And they're making less than a, you know, like they're making a drop of what these other guys make. And I'm so tired of it. And so I don't know any other way to confront the these these monopolies i don't know any other way to confront these billionaire industries than to unionize if there's a better way sign me up but the only way that i know is for working people to have power is for us to unite and form unions and fight back yes and yeah specific to the tourism industry too like people think that the reason why hotel prices are so high is because of the market but it's not it's like the value of our labor 100 percent. it's because our members make i mean i always say this like like our workers like we're the best we're the best at what we do we deserve what we make we deserve even more and the reason that these these corporations are able to put those prices on there is because of the service that that is provided like people aren't gonna come to a hotel where the sheets aren't changed. And people can say that that's not skilled labor, but it is. And it's our members that have the skills to do that work. And so absolutely they deserve what they make and they deserve even more. Mm -hmm. Yes, I totally agree. Yes, we deserve more, workers deserve more and that's why workers are fighting back. Thank you so much for such an amazing conversation. I've learned so much and I'm sure our listeners also benefited from the wealth of information that you've shared today. Thank you so much, Morgan. Mahalo for tuning in. More episodes to come. So follow us on Spotify, Apple Music, and all the other podcast channels at Unite Here Hawaii, and also our social media platforms at Unite Here Hawaii. For more, Hawaii can. Bryant? Do you have anything to promote, like your TikTok or your Instagram? Or I'm kidding. <laughs> At Morgan Thursday. <laughs> Follow her. <laughs> Follow, like, and subscribe. Is that what I said? <laughs>